Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, November 5th, and this is your FT News Briefing. A full day after U.S. polls closed, the vote count dragged on in some states on Wednesday night. And investors were expecting a blue wave. Now they're adjusting their expectations. Plus, the U.S. officially withdrew from the Paris Climate Agreement on Wednesday. So what's America's role when it comes to tackling global warming? We'll take a look. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Democratic candidate Joe Biden stopped just short of declaring himself the winner of the U.S. presidential race yesterday. We, the people will not be silenced. We, the people, will not be bullied. We, the people, will not surrender. My friends, I'm confident we'll emerge victorious. Biden flipped the Midwest swing states of Wisconsin and Michigan. He's only a handful of electoral votes away from winning the race. But states like Pennsylvania and Georgia were still very much up for grabs at the time of this recording, with the vote count dragging on. Meanwhile, President Donald Trump is trying to stop officials from finishing that vote count in some states. I'm joined by the FT's Kadam Shiver, our U.S. legal and enforcement correspondent. Kadam, where is Trump challenging in the election at the moment? Well, we have a uh, handful of states where the, the vote isn't completed. And in three of those states, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Georgia, the Trump campaign has filed lawsuits. Two of those lawsuits in, in Pennsylvania and Michigan are attempts to halt the count in some way, and uh, the third is related to sort of segregation of ballots. He's also attempted to intervene in a important Supreme Court case concerning the deadline by which absentee ballots can be received and counted in Pennsylvania. And in addition to those three states, the campaign, Trump campaign, has also said that it is seeking a recount in Wisconsin, which uh, Joe Biden has narrowly won. Kadam, I know it's been a long day for you, and I know you'll be covering this late into the night. So last question, what's the likelihood that these challenges will actually change the outcome of the election? As we're talking on Wednesday evening, the chances that any of these actions have an impact on the ultimate result seem slim, almost as or even more important than what you might think of the legal merits of any of these cases is how close the vote total is. The lawsuits that the Trump campaign have brought seem quite unlikely to succeed in halting the vote, say in Pennsylvania or in Michigan, which is already being called for Joe Biden. And Biden's likely victory is probably going to be with you know, vote margins that would put him beyond any legal dispute. Investors had been anticipating a so-called blue wave for Democrats. But even if Joe Biden does go on to win the White House, it looks like the balance of power between Democrats and Republicans in the Senate will be much closer than expected. So how does this change investor outlook and which stocks benefit? Our Markets News editor, Adam Sampson, has been watching the investor reaction. Previously, over the past several days and even weeks, markets have anticipated that a Biden-led government with the backing of a Democratic Congress launch a big infrastructure spending program, potentially spending trillions of dollars, which would be a big boon to various parts of the market. Things like industrial companies, think Caterpillar, the heavy machinery maker, 
railroads, those kind of stocks. It also put pressure on the price of longer-term U.S. government bonds that sent yields higher. The idea was that the big, big splurge of spending hopefully boost growth, potentially inflation. It also means that the government would have to sell quite a bit more debt. One of the most notable reactions has been sort of a reversal of that blue wave trade. So investors have actually bought into some of those longer-term U.S. government bonds, and that has pushed yields significantly lower. There's certainly an expectation that some of the companies that would have benefited from sort of a green-tinged spending splurge aren't going to do so well now. So we're talking about renewables companies, also the price of certain industrial metals, things like copper. Those are also coming under pressure on this idea that there's just probably not going to be the political capital to do the kind of infrastructure spending boom that markets perhaps had been anticipating. On the other side of the spectrum, this could benefit, for instance, energy companies, um, you know, and this idea that perhaps deadlock in Washington would reduce regulatory pressure on them. And speaking of the energy industry, a look now at how countries are tackling global warming with possibly less support from the U.S. A quick reminder that two and a half years ago, Donald Trump announced that he was pulling the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Yesterday, the U.S. officially left it. Now, this was the culmination of a bureaucratic process and was unrelated to the presidential election. But as the FT's environment correspondent Leslie Hook explains, the outcome of the election is crucial for global efforts to tackle climate change. So, Leslie, now that the U.S. has formally left the Paris Climate Agreement, how big of a loss is this for the global accord? Well, it's a really significant step. Not only is the U.S. the second biggest emitter in the world, just in terms of the carbon dioxide it's pumping into the air, but the U.S. was also a key architect of the Paris Climate Agreement when it was agreed in 2015. So there's a sort of moral or diplomatic force, as well as the actual emissions of carbon dioxide. So it is a real loss for the agreement. And Leslie, what's the impact of the absence of U.S. leadership on efforts to tackle climate change so far? Well, the goal of the Paris Climate Accord is to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius, or hopefully around 1.5 Celsius. And right now, the world is very far off track from reaching that goal. The way the deal works is each country that signs up gets to set its own targets. But those targets, which are set voluntarily, have to get tougher and tougher over time. Now, in the last year, we've seen some real progress here. We've seen the UK, Germany, France adopt net zero emission targets for the middle of the century. And just in the last few weeks, we've also seen China, Japan, and South Korea set their own net zero goals. But all of this doesn't really add up to reaching that target, that two degrees Celsius target, unless the U.S. also pulls its weight. Okay. And just out of curiosity, now that we know that Joe Biden could very likely become the next president of the United States, how would he change U.S. policy on climate change? Well, there's two scenarios here. If Biden becomes president, he can rejoin quite easily, quite quickly, and he said he will do so in day one. So under Biden presidency, the withdrawal from the actual climate agreement could just be seen as a sort of blip on the road. Okay, uh, on the flip side, if Donald Trump does stay in office, how will other countries be able to influence U.S. behavior? 
if Trump serves a second term in office, then surely the U.S. will become a real target for lobbying on the climate front from uh, the U.K., from the EU, uh, possibly even from Asian countries, China and Japan, um, because the U.S. will be a real outlier. So we could see things like uh, trade deals start to include climate clauses or climate policies get incorporated into trade negotiations with the U.S., if the U.S. continues on its current track of being outside of the climate accord. Now, regardless of who's in office, Leslie, of course, states and, and individual U.S. companies can, can reduce emissions on their own. So what can they do and what, what have they been doing? Well, that's a really interesting question because during Trump's time in office, U.S. CO2 emissions have actually declined ever so slightly, about 0.5% between 2017 and 2019. That's largely because states, such as California, have enacted really ambitious policies to reduce their emissions, to take coal plants off the grid and replace it with, with renewable energy. And we've also seen big U.S. companies like Microsoft and Amazon and Facebook uh, adopt uh, climate pledges of their own. So it's interesting that even in the absence of a federal policy about reducing emissions, uh, states and companies have, in fact, still been able to move the needle a little bit when it comes to reducing emissions. Leslie Hook is the FT's environment correspondent. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.